0: Today on the podcast, I'm sharing with you exactly what you need to do in the first 15 minutes of your workday in order to set yourself up to be as productive and effective with your time as possible. I call this a home-to-work transition. This is the time you set aside to prepare yourself for the work ahead that day so that as soon as you start, you feel focused and present and ready to hit the ground running. There are two parts To a home-to-work transition, and I'm going to break each of them down and give you lots of examples of what you can do in the midst of this time. If you're someone that struggles to get going in the morning, or if you find transitioning and leaving your kid to starting work to be filled with lots of emotions and feelings, this is your podcast. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Welcome to the Ambitious and Balanced Working Mom Podcast. The place for women who want to balance their ambitious career goals with their life as a mom. If you're looking to feel more confident, decisive, and productive at both work and home, then this is the place for you. I'm your host, Rebecca Olson. Let's get to it. So, a client came to me recently and said, I know that you talk a lot about the work to home transition, but What about the home-to-work transition? Now, just to give you a little bit of context, the work-to-home transition is essentially what you do during the time that you leave work and you come home, and how to do that really well so that you are present with your family and you really are able to let work go from your day and let your work brain actually shut down and so forth. Now, I call that a work-to-home transition, and I teach a lot about that with my clients. I give workshops and trainings on this. And there's even a podcast episode on it. So I'll make sure to link it to that. This is a topic that I talk about a lot. But my client was really struggling with the home to work transition because some mornings the kids are just having a lot harder time. There's more tantrums. They're more resisting getting out the door. It's a harder daycare drop off. Or maybe we are having more anxious thoughts about our day coming up or a week coming up or a meeting we're having or something like that and she wanted to know how to best transition from work to home. I just love this question so much, I decided to make it a podcast. There really couldn't have been a better day for me to write this podcast because I did have a very difficult morning with my children. And after I dropped them off from school, I was not quite ready to start my workday. And so I have some really raw thoughts and experiences that I'm going to share with you today as we get into this. The first thing I want to talk about is just the idea of transitions. A transition is when we essentially go from one thing to the next thing. And if you read anything on transitions and young children, pretty much everything and everyone would tell you that young children, even down to infants, struggle with transitions. It's the moment that almost every parent can guarantee a struggle or some kind of resistance or tears from their child. Transitions are everything from getting your kid in a car to out of a car or vice versa, going from asleep to awake, going from your house to daycare, going from playtime to eating time, going from the park into the car, going from two parents to one parent for the evening. These are all transitions that many kids struggle with. And why is that? It's because we as human beings are not meant to transition. We don't like transition because our brain sees it as change. And our brains would much rather things stay constant and predictable and the same in a constant state of being. That's what our brain thrives in. And so anytime we transition from one thing to the other, our brain sort of flips out. And it's just a very common human experience, not just for our kids, but for adults. Now, the difference between toddlers and adults is that a toddler doesn't have the tools to deal with all of the emotions of a transition. And so it comes out as tears and resisting and yelling and thrashing about. We as adults experience the same transitional emotions that kids do. It feels uncomfortable, hard, exhausting, overwhelming, anxious to us too. We just don't tend to outwardly show it in tantruming and crying and throwing ourselves about like our kids do. What I want to specifically highlight here as we talk about transitions generally is that human beings struggle with them. It's not easy to go from one thing to another, and it always comes with a cocktail of emotions. And the reason why understanding these two things is really important is that as you struggle to get into work for the day, maybe you find yourself scrolling social media for like, 15, 20, 30 minutes at the beginning of your workday, or you have a really hard time getting started on a project and you find yourself procrastinating. There's nothing wrong with you if you struggle to get going at the beginning of your workday. This is just a moment of transition that your brain is trying to find some comfort in because it feels uncomfortable and bad. So, all human beings, all of us, we struggle with transition. Our brain would much rather keep things the same than to change them. It's a very normal experience. I want to challenge you by saying that what makes that transition difficult, it's an emotional one. It's the emotions that come up when we transition from one thing to another. So I want you to keep those two things in mind as we continue to talk about building a home-to-work transition. Now, let me share a little bit about my morning. I have two kiddos, as you probably know, Lillian. She's eight. And my son, Emerson, is five. This morning, the kid's played really well together in emerson's room i think they were using magnetiles and cars and they were creating some kind of world and then they came out for breakfast and getting dressed which all sort of went normally and then it came time for me to get dressed that's kind of when things started to go south my daughter was sitting on the stairs kind of like waiting for me outside my door that leads up to my bedroom and i'm not exactly sure why she was there maybe just waiting around But then my son, he was sort of moaning and whining. He'd already eaten his breakfast. He was already dressed, but he wasn't getting any attention in that moment. Or probably he was starting to think about the fact that we were trying to get out the door. He struggles with that. And so he starts crawling up the stairs. And when he reaches Lillian, he starts to like headbutter. And she firmly told him to stop, which is something that we've been working on with her is just using really strong, direct words. And then she told me that she like moved over out of his way so he could keep coming up, but he just moved over and continued to headbutter. So if she moved one side, he would move to the other side and headbutter. And then she started to like push his head out of the way and then she would move and he would headbutter and then she would like push his head out of the way and it was just kind of this constant thing. But it was starting to get a little bit more intense with every little push. And so finally I was able to get to them on the stairs and stop her from hitting him. And then I picked my son up to sort of separate the two of them And then I had some very firm words with my son that he needs to be mindful of other people's words and requests, particularly when it comes to his body. And that was when things really started to fall apart. He ran down the stairs into his room. And when I followed a few minutes later, i know better than to just follow right away. So I gave him a couple minutes and then I followed and I opened his door and I asked if I could come in and he threw something at the door. And so I took that as a sign that he was not ready yet. And so I closed the door and I walked away for a couple more minutes. Mind you, we need to be at school in like 20 minutes, 20 minutes school starts. And in order for us to get to school on time, we need to leave in like 10. So he's dressed, but he doesn't have any socks or shoes on. He doesn't have a sweatshirt or jacket on. He hasn't brushed his teeth. We haven't like put together his backpack yet. So there's all sorts of things we still need to do in the next 10 minutes in order to get out the door and get to school on time. So I come back in and he kind of hides on his bed. And I come over to him and I very gently like pull him out from his bed and I give him a big hug and he's just trying to squirm and like push me away and grunting. He can't oftentimes use words when he's in the middle of this kind of emotional state. And I get out this little notebook that my husband and I just recently started, which has some really specific affirmations that we are trying to speak to our son's character in the middle of these tantrums. And they're really simple things like, Emerson is kind. And then we give some examples of how he's kind or... Emerson is smart. And then we give some examples of how he's smart. And it's just a little strategy that we've been trying. I pull out this little book and I start reading it to him and he immediately stops crying, which is great. And he goes to get a piece of paper and a pen and he starts coloring. And then when I'm done reading the affirmations to him, I get up. He seems nice and calm at this point. And he gets up and he shows me the picture and it has his name on it. And then it has like maybe four or five little small, almost like amoeba-like circles And he says that they're coal and that he is going to get coal in his stocking and that he's stupid. And then he runs away and starts to cry. He runs up to my room and up the stairs and I follow him with some socks. He tries to like squeeze behind the dresser to hide from me and I pull him out and I sit him down and he's just resisting and sort of yelling at me and he's throwing himself backwards, which then... Because he was throwing himself around, he ends up hitting something with his back and then his back hurts and then he really starts to cry and he cries and he cries and he cries. And then he kind of comes into my lap and I hold him and he's crying and I tell him that I love him and I remind him that he's a very kind boy and that he's going to be okay. And he tells me that he doesn't want to go to school as he's yelling and crying. And then I ask him if he wants to put on his very special bracelet. He and I have matching bracelets and I told him that Whenever he looks at his bracelet today, he could remember me. It might bring him some comfort. You know, I'm like grasping at straws, just trying to find a way to like calm him down. Right. And he liked that idea. But my new, he still is crying and crying this whole time. Like, he doesn't really stop. And then at this point, I think my daughter calls down from the stairs She's down the stairs and like calls up and says, can I just walk to school? Like she's totally annoyed and ready to go. And I'm like, no, no, just wait for us because I've never really let her walk to school by herself on her own, even though it's literally half a block down our street. So we come down the stairs, I put on his jacket, I put on his shoes, we grab his backpack and he's just crying and crying. And I just decide to let go of the whole like teeth brushing this morning. Like there was just there was no way I was going to push that. And we get out the door and he wants to hold my hand and he's still crying. And he pretty much cries all the way to school. And that was our morning. So on my way home, I'm just swirling with all of these thoughts and emotions from the morning. Many of them about my son and how we are working on helping him control some of these emotions and giving him more tools. And my brain is sort of replaying a lot of the experiences of the morning. And I'm also thinking about my daughter, who kind of went very quiet after my son started crying uncontrollably. And it, it made me wonder if she felt like it was her fault. So then my thoughts started to go on and on about how important it is that we really focus our attention on helping her, equipping her with some thoughts and some tools and reminding her that these things aren't her fault and trying to give her some equal attention because I'm sure right now she thinks that her brother gets a lot more attention. And maybe he does. I'm not really sure, but I'm sure she feels that way. And so when I walked back into my house, the very first thing I saw was this drawing that my son did of getting coal. And those were some really harsh words that he spoke about himself, right? Being stupid. And he says it in a really harsh, mean way. I'm so stupid. It hurts as a mom. It just hurts to hear my son say that. It feels so hard and raw. It feels like some things that we as adults sometimes tell ourselves. But to come from a five-year-old, it just feels so harsh. And so I see this picture. and My heart just kind of falls And now I need to make myself a quick breakfast and hop on my computer to check my email and ultimately get to writing this podcast because it's Monday and I write my podcast on a Monday. It's the start of the work week. And so I often have a lot of anxious thoughts about how my work week is going to go. And I can feel this like push and pull between having all of these emotions for my morning and then all of these anxieties about the work week and the desire to just like jump in and ignore everything that just happened so that I could, quote, be productive and just jump in with my time and kind of ignore all of the feelings going on. That was my morning. That was how I was feeling as I got home. And to be honest, you know, as I reflect on it, it was a Pretty good morning, right? Until those last 20 minutes, actually, it had been really good. Both kids had been very compliant on top of everything they needed to do. I felt mostly good about the way I had handled my son's emotions and the tools that we've been working on. But there was still, of course, all of these like lingering emotions about what just took place and what happened, all of these anxieties about what the workday ahead of us was gonna look like. But here's what I know: my time spent working is not going to be very effective or productive. If I don't do something with all of the emotions, thoughts and experiences that I just had with my kids. And that's where the home to work transition comes in. It's a really specific time or a specific process that's set aside for you to work through any of those thoughts and emotions that have come up for you from the morning before you start working. Now, I'll be honest and say that I have some really clear things that I do to help my transition from work to home, regardless of how good or bad my morning is. There are just things that I do that help with that transition every single day. And there are some things that I do that I kind of add to my morning that are really specific when I have a difficult morning like the one I had today. But what I'm 100% sure of is that if I did nothing to deal with all of my thoughts and emotions from my morning, the first 30 minutes to probably an hour of my workday would be completely unproductive and almost wasted. I want you to think about that for yourself. When you are having a really awesome morning and you feel really excited about work that day, maybe the things that you have going on, you're feeling really on top of things. When you get to work, you hit the ground running. You're feeling really efficient with your time. You feel really focused. You don't allow yourself to like scroll on social media. It's a very effective use of your time versus... When you have a lot of stuff that just went down before you got to work and you're feeling really emotional and overwhelmed and behind, at least the beginning part of your day, like when you start, is probably not going to be all that effective. You're likely going to scroll your emails or various social media. You're going to go get that second cup of coffee and wander around the office and see how people are doing, like avoiding procrastinating getting started. You're going to distract yourself if you work from home. You're like going to distract yourself with doing dishes or doing laundry, something other than the actual work that you need to be doing. There's a really big difference. Can you see it for yourself when you really enter in and start your workday feeling clear and confident and good and emotionally, at least in a neutral place versus days that you are feeling really not good and really emotional and down and coming from a really negative emotional place? I don't want you to be dependent on having a really good morning with your kids or them having to behave a certain way or to not cry when you drop them off at daycare or whatever it is. I don't want you to be dependent on things going really well for you to feel really confident and good and productive and effective with your time at work. I want you to be able to get into that right energy and kind of cultivate that productive, effective energy on demand, regardless of how your morning went so that you could feel present and focused immediately as you start. And that is where the home-to-work transition is really key. It gives you full control over your productivity and your effectiveness, no matter how your morning goes or how your kids are behaving that day. Okay, so let's dive into the work-to-home transition. So the first thing you need to know about your home-to-work transition is that because you're a human being, it's not going to probably flow very easily. You're not going to probably want to sit down and do a transition. Your brain is going to put up a lot of resistance to it because there's a lot of emotions. And so regardless of if there was like a triggering event this morning or not, there is importance in doing a work to home transition to just get your head and your heart in the right emotional space and the right headspace as you start your day. The second thing I want you to know about the home-to-work transition is that its purpose is to give you control over your effectiveness at work from the moment you start. In the work-to-home transition, I talk about some very specific practices and exercises that you can do between work and home to really help you let go of your workday and enter into your family life being really present. But the home-to-work transition, that doesn't feel as clear. Meaning there's a lot of different ways that you can do it. I don't think there's a perfect way to do this. But the transition should have two parts. The first is processing the emotions. And the second is getting yourself into a more intentional, positive mental state. So let's talk about the first part, dealing with your emotions. Today, I had a lot of emotions. I was feeling really discouraged about my son. I was feeling really sad for him. I was feeling really uncertain about how to handle things with my daughter. I was feeling a little bit inadequate as a mom and capable of knowing how to help them. And when it comes to processing emotions, the key is to getting it all out. Getting it out could look like sitting down with a paper and a pen and just writing about what you feel. It could look like Messaging a friend and telling them everything that happened. It could look like writing a letter to yourself or to someone else. It could look like talking to yourself out loud about what happened. It could look like writing out a conversation between yourself and someone else. Essentially, it's just you narrating what happened and how you feel about it all, right? Purging of those thoughts. And all of these suggestions I just rattled off to you, you might do them based on a particular situation. I go in and out of doing these practices based on how things went and what I feel like I really need. This morning, I did a couple of them. The first one I did as soon as I got home is I wrote a letter to my daughter because that was the one that was like really on my heart. I really wanted her to feel like it wasn't her fault. And we sort of have this journal that I call it a feelings journal. And I just sort of introduced it. So we haven't done it a whole lot. But it's a way to basically just communicate feelings because she can have a really hard time expressing what she's feeling. But sometimes she's able to write it. So I kind of bought this very specific journal just between she and I where we could talk about our feelings. So I got out the journal and I wrote her a letter and I was just expressing how frustrated I would expect that she would be feeling with her brother and how I understand what she might be feeling and just that I love her. And it was sort of all the things I wish I could say to her right there in that moment if we could have had a conversation and she didn't have to go to school or Sometimes I write things thinking, I know you're only eight, but these are the things that are in my head. If I was talking to an adult, this is the way I would say it or talk about it. And writing it sometimes gives me some perspective to kind of say it on a more basic level or a more intentional level for an eight-year-old. And so I wrote her this letter of all the things that I wanted to tell her. That was one thing I did. It was the first thing. And then after that, I jumped on Marco Polo, which is a video app, if you don't know what that is where you basically can have video conversation with somebody back and forth, right? And so I Marco Polo with my husband, not on a regular basis, but when we're talking to each other during our workday, it's oftentimes the way we communicate. And I just shared with him everything that happened this morning. Retold the story of the things that happened and how I was feeling. And I showed him the picture that my son had drawn and how I was feeling about that. I just sort of purged, purged all of the emotions and the experiences of that morning. I recently did a podcast on a SAT download as a tool. That's a really common tool that I will use in the morning when I'm having a really difficult morning. I just bullet point out this list of all of the things that I'm thinking and feeling as a way of getting it out, of purging. If you go back and listen to that podcast, that was really what the Thought Download was all about. It was getting it out of your head and your heart and getting it out into the world. Because if it stays locked inside of you, it's really hard to deal with. But when you can give it some, shed some light on it, when you can get it outside of you, then you have an ability to do something with it. It becomes a, a mechanism for you to actually deal with all those things that you're thinking and feeling. So that's really what we're doing here. No matter how you get it out, it's taking some time to get it all out. And all of these tools is just a way of clearing your brain. Your brain is going to hold on to these things regardless of if you intentionally give them space or not. And I want you to be in control of how these thoughts and feelings surface. And you can only do that when you have an intentional practice of purging of your thoughts, if you have a mechanism of getting them out of your head. Because if you don't do an exercise like this, you're still going to hold on to these experiences in your head and your heart You're going to just hop onto your computer and you're going to start checking emails and messages or scrolling social media. And you're going to be thinking about and feeling all of these emotions from your morning. You're going to just be doing it simultaneously, which means you're not going to really be present while you're checking your email or doing whatever task that you choose to do first thing in the morning or while you sit in on that meeting. You're going to be in the meeting while thinking about everything that happened in your morning, right? It's not a very effective use of your time. So your brain is going to process all of these experiences and emotions on some level, regardless of if you give them some space, an intentional space or not. But when you give it some intentionality, then it will happen a lot faster and it will happen more in your control. Oftentimes after I purge a lot of my emotions in whatever format I do that, What I'll do next is I will just take some really deep breaths and I'll put my hand over my heart and I will remind myself that I am loved and cared for and okay. And that's not something I've always done, maybe over the last year or so. It's something that I've made a more regular practice because it feels sort of like somebody's giving me a really big hug, right? If I were to sit down with a friend and purge of my morning and tell her everything that happened to me this morning and just tell her the whole story, likely it would probably end with maybe a few tears and probably a hug from her or like a hand on my shoulder or something like that. Something that shows that she understands, she empathizes, she loves me. And so when I can kind of create that experience for myself by putting my hand over my heart and closing my eyes and breathing really deeply and just reminding myself, Of how loved I am. So that's the first thing processing your emotions. Once you do that, then you're ready to move into a more intentional space. And I've gone in and out of like several different ways, several different intentional practices in my mornings about doing this. But over the last few months, the practice that I have been doing is something I teach a lot of my clients to do. It's a kind of a cultivating new mindset or intentional mindset kind of practice. I call it the daily work. And it's simply five questions that focuses on cultivating a single intentional thought about yourself. I have a very specific notebook that I write this in every single workday. Some days my brain feels really unfocused and it takes me like 20 minutes to answer these questions, but other days it takes me like five. And that's the goal. The goal is focus, but it's not just focus on what you plan to do that day, like your tasks and your goals for the day. It's focus on who you want to be that day. Because when you're feeling really amazing and confident and good about yourself as a human being, you will be more productive and effective with your time. That is the goal, is to make your productivity and your effectiveness during the day, your tasks kind of come more easily or natural to you. And that happens when you're in a really good headspace about yourself. So for me, this is a time really focusing on like who I am as a human being and getting myself into a really positive headspace about that. Currently, right now, I'm doing this like five-question daily practice. I'm not going to go into that, but it's really about cultivating like a single thought about myself every single day. Some past practices that I've used is I've done gratitude lists because that usually leaves me feeling really satisfied and like I'm enough and my life is enough and life is good. That puts me as a human being into a different kind of energy when I'm feeling really satisfied. I do something I call I am lists. That's where I basically just bullet point out with every sentence starting with I am, and then I fill it in with something positive, right? I am smart. I am capable. I am a great mom. I can do hard things. I'm devoted. I'm loved. I try hard. Again, the focus is more on who than what. You can do an intentional journal prompt where every day you answer the same question. Like, how do I know I'm really good at my job? Or maybe another one, if you're struggling more as a mom, might be, how do I know I'm a really great mom? Or it could be like, how do I know I'm really deserving of my role or my position? You just pick a question that your brain sort of like fights a little bit, and then you spend days or weeks or months answering that same question every single day. Again, it's about getting your brain, your mindset into a very intentional space that's gonna help you hit the ground running as soon as you start working. So, processing your emotions and creating intentional positive thoughts about yourself, both of those things are essential. In a home-to-work transition. Now, there are some things that can make this transition a lot easier, and I want to talk about them, okay? The first is troubleshooting common problem moments in your morning. I remember talking to my client, Kathy, about this on my podcast. I'll link to her interview. It was a little while ago, but you might really want to go back and listen to it because I remember she was describing a lot about her morning routines and some of her struggles with her morning routines, and it was a great interview, But every single morning, I remember she was struggling with getting her kids shoes on. They were constantly running away or they were like constantly doing things that they weren't supposed to be doing other than putting their shoes on or they were throwing themselves on the floor or or whatnot. For my kids, sometimes it's like avoiding eating breakfast. Or for me, for a while, it was like feeling like I didn't have enough time to get myself dressed and ready in the morning. These are just like some common spots in your morning where conflict tends to happen And this is an opportunity for you to actually spend some time to troubleshoot or problem solve for that moment so it becomes less difficult. And I know that seems really simple. And yet it's the most amazing thing to me that if you're struggling with the same thing every single day, it's a good sign that something needs to change. But it amazes me that we as moms really think that way. I don't think that way all the time. If we're constantly struggling to get our kid's shoe on, the most common thought is, well, you know he's a toddler, he's going to struggle with this, or this is just the way it's going to be, or this is just really hard. Like We just kind of seem to settle for these problem moments rather than thinking, huh, I wonder what I could do to make this go a bit smoother. Now, of course, I don't have all the answers for you on how to problem solve for you and your child and your routines. But if you have a mindset that this could be easier or this could even be fixed, I wonder how you would go about experimenting with it so that you can actually mitigate some of the conflict and trouble emotional moments that happen in your day so that those don't linger with you as you enter into your workday. Now, I remember for my client, Kathy, in this interview, we talked about how one of the problem moments for her was the shoes. One of the things she realized was that her littlest would always... Try to put on the wrong pair of shoes. Like, that was a common problem that always was like delaying them. She was constantly going for the sandals when it was a rainy day or her rain boots when it was a hot day. And it occurred to her that she could just remove all of the other shoes except for the ones that she wanted her to wear that day. (laughs) And that would actually just make the whole situation easier. She troubleshooted it by going, Oh, I could just put all of her other shoes away in a closet and then there would be no fight over this anymore. For me, my son has always struggled to get dressed. And it used to be that I would give them breakfast and then they would get dressed and then do their teeth and everything like that. Well, I started saying to them, I want you to get dressed before you come to the breakfast table. And just that little bit of change in routine was really helpful for him. And I would just constantly remind him that before he could sit down for breakfast, he needed to get dressed and that I would be available to him if he needed me to like, help him get dressed. And I would offer that to him, which before I had a really hard time offering that to him when we got dressed after breakfast, because then my brain started to get this natural sense of urgency. Like we got to get dressed. We got to get going. I got to get dressed. I got to get going. And so I didn't have kind of the mental space to help him. But by just doing the little switch, getting them dressed before they came to breakfast, it felt like I had more space to be attentive and to be available, which caused a lot less conflict and problems. So I just troubleshooted that. So if you have a regular problem spot, a regular spot where your kids are resistant or there's always kind of a struggle or you tend to get really angry, like take some time to consider ways to get around that, to do things a little bit differently that might mitigate that or might make it a little easier for you. You could just brainstorm that a little bit. Some of your ideas aren't gonna work. That's fine. You're not looking for like the perfect solution. You're just trying to come up with a list of five, 10 things that you could try to do a little bit differently to just have this mindset of experimenting with the belief that, yeah, I could make this a little bit easier. Let's problem solve for that. Now, the second thing that you can do to make your home to work transition a little bit smoother, a little bit easier, setting yourself up for success, is to give time and space for it. For a while, I used to take morning meetings immediately after I got home from dropping my kids off. But inevitably, I never really felt prepared or ready, or I was often running late. So I just learned that I can't take meetings until at least 30 minutes after I got home. Because that gives me enough time to run late. If I'm dropping my kids off for some reason, that runs late. It gives me time to grab another cup of tea, to kind of resettle myself and to do this transition. The first 30 minutes, I don't even turn on my computer, at least I really try not to, until I have sat down and processed my emotions, done my intentional thinking exercise. And then after that, that's kind of like the sign to my brain like, okay, I'm ready to begin. And then I turn on my computer and then I start doing my emails. You're probably going to have to troubleshoot for how to do that. I know for a lot of my clients that go into work, this could be a real struggle for them because as soon as they walk in, people need them. Or they're getting in a conversation with people that goes all the way up to their first meeting or eats away at that like 15, 20, 30 minutes that they have before they have to really get going. And so there's going to be some trial and error with this, right? You're going to have to experiment with the right time. Maybe you're going to have to do it before you leave the house. Or maybe you're going to have to do this transition in the car. Or maybe you're going to have to sneak into the office and slip into like a back office for 10 or 15 minutes before you engage with anyone. Maybe you're going to need to like block off your calendar so that no one can schedule a meeting with you first thing in the morning. Or maybe you're going to need to sit in your living room in your house instead of doing this task right at your desk in front of your computer so you're not tempted to log on. You're going to have to troubleshoot with how to do this. And you will do that if you believe this was important. If you believe this was the most important thing you can do to set yourself up for success during your workday, if you believed it was more important than even getting one more thing done or being responsive to your emails, or being attentive to your clients, if you believe this is the most important thing you can do with your time, you will figure out how to make it happen. And so that's what I want to leave you with today. I want you to answer these questions. Why is this intentional home-to-work transition practice the most important 15 minutes you could ever give yourself in your workday? Why should you prioritize it? What do you gain from prioritizing it? What do you lose when you don't prioritize it? I want you to literally like stop the episode right now. Write these questions down and answer them. Or if you can't answer them right now, decide to write them down and answer them the very first thing tomorrow morning. As always, if you are looking to be more productive at work and feel more successful in your career while feeling like your family is the number one priority in your life, I can help. This is the exact work that we do in coaching together over the course of six months together. And I would love to talk to you further about what that looks like. Don't forget, you could take me up on a free coaching call. That's where the process starts. I call this a breakthrough call. And you can schedule yours at www.rebeccaolsoncoaching.com forward slash book for us to find a time to connect. I will, of course, put that URL in the show notes as well, along with all the other things that I said I was going to link to. Working moms, I hope you are having an amazing holiday week and season. Let's get to it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want a little extra support as a working mom, I invite you to download my free training, The Secret to Ending Your Workday at 5 p.m. In this free training, I teach you how to shut down your computer and your work brain at exactly the time you want without all those feelings of guilt and like you need to log back on. By the end of this training, you will know exactly what you need to think and do in order to fully engage with your family even after a long workday. To sign up for the training, you can go to www.ambitiousandbalancedcollective.com forward slash end work at 5 pm If you didn't catch all that, don't worry, check the show notes for a direct link. All right, working moms, let's get to it.